you have that grin on your face because you see I started recording just like right away? <clears throat> no, I just um, I just you always wear the not always you wear the money team hats a lot, and um, mm-hmm. I stayed once my my at that time I think we were just girlfriend and boyfriend or whatever that stage is. I, I don't know. But, boyfriend um, and boyfriend? Stayed, Are you talking about us? Boyfriend and boyfriend? I think is not me and you. Me. This was this oh. was after after us. Um, oh. when, now my now wife, we were staying at the Fountain Blue in Miami. And we saw Floyd Mayweather leaving the hotel and he was just like walking out, passing out hundreds to everyone, the bellhop and the, the doorman and the valet. And the, it was kind of a cool thing to see. And then someone came up to take a picture with him and he was just like, no way, man. <laughs> eat a dick. Here's a hundred, eat a dick. Yeah. Oh, oh, awesome. It sucks. I did a podcast with Sam Apple, the author of Ravenous and, and, and it has all screwed up audio coming from his end. I don't know if he had a fan on or what was going on. You, you tell me. You told show. me to check out his book. Oh, it's amazing! You got to check it out. Um, I'm giving you more of my my bust this time too. Um, oh, thank you. I uh, sorry. Are you a huge Floyd Mayweather fan, or is you just kind of like because he's the best? Uh, you hold like on. To... I don't know if I can hear you anymore. <laughs> Can you hear me? I can hear you great. You guys can hear me, but I can't hear you. Can you hear me, Savan? Oh, how about that? Now can I hear you? I hear everybody. Oh, shit. Better. Okay, go on. <clears throat> but I was just wondering, like, are you a huge fan? Is it just because you think he's the best? or? <sighs> Brian, you look great. What? He has you a do question. look good. You, I know. I'm gonna answer. I'm gonna answer it. I'm a, I'm a circuitous thinker. You look great. You look like me with a smaller nose. <laughs> well, very, also, very, very humble text, of you. Why don't you just text me what microphone and what headphones to get so I can just buy them and be done with these AirPods, man? Okay, done. Consider it done. Okay. Yeah, please. I'll just I'll just get it set up. Do you hear that? Jet Hobart's thinking he's a regular now. Over, he, he hears he no, sees no, no. a few it wasn't, positive it wasn't, comments on Instagram, and now he's just all slipping in the slipping in. No, That's beyond it, the DMs. It wasn't for you. It's just since I've been on your podcast, I've just received so many more invites to other you know notable podcasts. So I just got to be prepared, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude, we were joking around, and you had to throw something sharp and serious in there. Not cool. Uh, oh, too too true and hurts. Um, so basically, one time I was at the Four Seasons with the infamous and notorious Greg Glassman and one of and the guy who was friends with Floyd Mayweather since he was a, they were little kids he ran Floyd Mayweather's store floydmayweather.com or whatever and he was a great he was a great dude such a cool dude and basically Greg got him into CrossFit and I think Miranda started doing personal training with him in Beverly Hills or Los Angeles or somewhere like that I think it was Miranda Miranda um Oldroyd then and Miranda Alvarez now, the uber successful founder and CEO of Street Parking with her husband. I know. Totally underappreciated street parking is like the, it's like, a, who, it's, it's amazing. Who, yeah. Who cares if it's underappreciated? Her bank account isn't underappreciated. It is not. She's a savage. And, um, and their shit's good. And she moved to Washington, which is cool. So More. go ahead. No, I was gonna make a inappropriate jab, but I'm not gonna. I was uh, I was friend. I w- I worked with her for I don't know ten, fifteen years, and never really like knew her. 
we, we just didn't talk. We'd be in the same room a thousand times. And then now that I don't work at CrossFit and she doesn't work at CrossFit, we're like Instagram buddies or DM buddies. I had her on the podcast and I guess that was it. We're friends now. Once people are on your podcast, they can't stay away from you. I've been, I've been hitting you up all week now since the last one. I wouldn't say all week, but a little bit more. A little bit more. Yeah, a little bit. But it's also you just opened up to have uh, just normal conversation. You know, we've talked about just some other stuff, too. Oh, shit. There's a third person on this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading something. Um, so Floyd Mayweather. So 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 I met him with Greg and then um, and then, and then, you know, Dave Castro uh, got me into boxing. I was never into MMA or boxing. I don't remember if it was like 10 years ago, but he was so into boxing. So if I wanted to like talk with him, I had to kind of get into boxing. So I kind of got into box. He kind of would be like, there's a big fight tonight. So I started watching fighting. Then I got into MMA and, um, I don't, I got like a handful of hats for free. And then I bought a few hats and I'd never wore them because Greg one time said to me, I, I wore one of these hats out and he said to me, how the fuck do you wear a, a, a hat that represents a scumbag, like woman beater, like him. So I was like, all right, the boss doesn't like these hats. But now he's not my boss, so I'm just rocking them. I like it because it gives me the Teenage Ninja Mutant turtle. I don't even think of it as a Floyd Mayweather That's hat. That's the like first it. thing I think of when I see it. Teenage Ninja Mutant Turtles? Yes. Yes, and, and a lot of people say that to me, so I just I just go with it. I'm just like, yeah. Um, there was something else we were going to touch on. Where, where, where did we, we swerve off to? Miranda, your podcast gear. Ninja Mutant Turtles. That was really it. Handsome. Brian's like jacked up. I can tell he's got a lot to talk about tonight because there's a lot going on. So, yeah, seven. Seven. You know what I forgot earlier when we were talking was that that uh, article I sent you guys a few days ago about the semifinal programming came out today, and I was just reading through some of the Mm -hmm. comments on there. They were kind of interesting. Fantastic article. Best article I never read. (laughs) Uh, where do I go? Let me uh, morning chalk up. No, you won't. You won't find it there. You'll have to find the one I emailed to you. No, but if I want to see the comments, I don't know if you'll be able to see them because it's behind a paywall. Yeah, I don't know if the comments are are visible or not to accounts that are behind that are not that haven't subscribed. The, no, you um, can see oh, the, you can see comments if you haven't subscribed. Three big questions about semi final programming i wonder if you're going to get in trouble brian since i'm not a subscriber to morning chalk up and you let me read the article they're going to take that out of your paycheck <clears throat> oh oh no i don't i think it's okay especially if we talk about it here that's like my way of paying the membership like <laughs> this show is sponsored to you by the morning chalk up speaking of sponsors you know what i, I don't drinking like, coffee again and you, you guys have no idea how strong Good Dude's Coffee is. And I'm not just saying that because I'm in love with Josh. The shit is, like, dangerously strong. What do you like, Brian? No, no, it's what I don't like is when I wrote the article, it says three big questions. And there were three questions. And they were numbered one, two, three. So if you were scrolling through the article, you could find the one and see what the question is. And then decide if you wanted to read about that question. And two... Read about it, three, and whoever formatted it took the numbers one, two, three away, and now I can't. I wrote the article and I can't even find the questions easily. Breaks your heart. Well, it's not it, to me. It's not accessible in the way that I wanted it to be for people who are trying to read it. 
What's the um, What's the article about, Brian? Can you give us a synopsis? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a semi-final programming one, right? I'm opening it up right now. Yeah. So uh, I just, you know, the semifinals had passed. Hobart, the first you've year. read it, right? James, you wrote it, read it, right? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, Brian. Go on. No, it was the first year of the semifinals, and I thought it would be prudent to take a look back and see, you know, what what happened. And if there's anything that we could learn from it, I think in writing the article, I didn't necessarily say that there was or wasn't. I was basically just asking the questions. And the first one was, does it matter if there's six or seven workouts in a comp- qualifying competition weekend? And I used some specific examples um, to highlight the fact that a couple a couple athletes who participated in a six competition event and did really well on five workouts and really poorly on one missed the games by a few points and that in another example where there were seven workouts athletes who had one notable outlier bad performance were able to make up for it by having six good performances and that was enough to get them in by a few points so that kind of sticks with your theory you've been sort of beating that drum all along in regards to the games versus the semifinals and here it's even just one workout makes a difference that's sort of that's sort of the we could call that the Fikowski effect, right? He generally will generally will do better if there's more events, but really what the question is about the semifinal stage is should there be more consistency? And the first question I wanted to ask was, does it matter if there's six or seven events? Okay. I, and what's the second? Go ahead, James. I think I – did I talk to you guys about this before? I was talking to somebody once about the Open, and I was saying how, like, I love the Open – and I know it can be stressful for some people. Like, I wish the Open was 10 weeks long. And someone was telling me that statistically the way it starts to work is like after five to six weeks, um, you basically just see like the top, you know, whatever, one per- first percentile just start to slowly pull away from the rest of the pack. But after that five or six weeks, you don't see any like huge jumps in the placing anymore. Um, but what I was thinking, Brian, does the how would they know? How would they know, Hobart? How would they know? Whoever said that? I think there's, and I'm not a math guy. I think there's some like, if you're like a statistical whiz or like a like a math wonk, you can kind of, you have some formulas and and knowledge that would lead you to that point. But I might, I'm definitely out throwing my coverage on that discussion there. Okay. Brian, but I'm looking to now. Brian to answer that question. We're staring at you right now. Which question? The six or seven? Yeah. Does it matter? Like, would it matter? Is like there a magic number? Like the games has like been always, like they've kind of settled on like what fourteen or fifteen events now. Yeah. So sort of I like think that thing. you know I think that if I was going to make a blanket statement about what I'm writing is the real the real question the bigger overarching question is should the semifinals be the same test for everyone. And these are just like, you know, small subsections of that question. What's occupying more more room in your head right now, Brian, that they didn't format your article right or the comments? <laughs> which, one is, which one's winning? Not. Give me a breakdown of 60-40 because clearly no part of your brain is here on the podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I'm not sure what to say to that, Savan. I mean – I think that that these are good questions, and I th- and I was I was pretty happy with the data that I was able to pull out to paint a picture, just to say like it could it could matter, and I feel like regardless of what you think or I think, it's worth it for CrossFit to sit back and say okay, this was year one of semifinals, and these are questions we have. 
because we want to see what's, what's going to be the best for year two. Okay, let's say you are right. Let's say it is there is a, a lack of consistency in who you get between six and seven. Still, who cares if there's a lack of consistency? Why does that matter? What's the presupposition that I should be making that that matters? When you look back, you know, some of the things people are saying is that if there's something that you're not good at and it doesn't get tested, that's just luck of the draw. But I feel like okay. we have examples of that from regionals where, for you know, people would miss miss making to the games one year and they're regular games athletes because of one workout at regionals that they weren't able to do that year for whatever reason. But everyone else who made the games was able to do that workout. And if you're, if you just happen to draw a semifinal that has the one workout that's going to keep you out of the games and everyone else who's competing all these different semis doesn't have to take that test. It just feels, I feel like it's, it's almost unlucky. So part of me is just like, hey, who cares? All that matters is that we choose the winner. But here's the part where I, I, I'll push back on myself on that. Let's say, let's look, talk about the travel. Part of me is, is like, hey, who cares if you make it to the games or not? Like, who cares about the travel restrictions? Like, what do I give a fuck? But you know when it would matter? If Tia couldn't make it. Because then that would invalidate the entire competition. And then from there, I don't really know how to think about it. Then does that mean that it should matter for everyone? But it's but we have an actual example where this happened. And, and, and so sorry, one thing. And, and the reason why I jump over to that is because you can say the same thing about six or seven workouts. Also, part of me wants to say who cares, but if for some reason it left out the person who ninety nine percent of us think is the the very best, then we have a problem. Well, and, and or, or do we not? No, no, no. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a fair point because like you said, if the six or seven gets in, who cares? But if the person that's the favorite to win the games doesn't get in for one of these kind of random reasons, then you're going to feel differently about it. But in 2014, this happened to Sam Briggs. She was a defending games champion. She struggled on the max distance handstand walk at regionals. She was, I mean, she probably would have been the favorite that year. And that's the year we've talked about where Cara was close to winning. Camille won that year. And a majority of the women that finished in the top 10 that year never returned to the top 10 in their career. You were potentially missing the best female CrossFit athlete because of one workout. Now think of a scenario where that regional. So that's two things. That's two things. So you're saying in 2000, that that was 2015 she didn't go to the game? 14. 14. And that was the year Camille won. Yeah. So we have the Cara Sanders injury and we have the Sam Briggs debacle. <laughs> it's not a debacle. It's she wasn't good enough at that test. And everyone had to take that test to get there and she couldn't do it. But it wasn't a test that she wasn't good at that she had to take. And the other 30 people who qualified for the games didn't have to uh, take. Okay. Okay. There's a lot of good programmers out there. And a lot of good people are programming the competitions that are in the semifinals. I don't have a problem with the programming. Um, I'm just wondering, do we want to have a field who've taken all these different avenues to get there? And some people might say yes, but you can, you know, I was very, it was surprisingly easy for me to pull out actual statistical evidence from this year that demonstrated where six, six workouts got one athlete in or kept one athlete out and seven workouts got another athlete in. And how do you prove, you may have already gone over this, how do you prove that that would have made a difference for the other athletes? I, I actually read don't think that, that really matters. Yeah, I don't think, but I don't oh, think nice. that matters. I, I think your point about um, 
just them. It's like imagine any big sports event. Like one team only has to qualify through a single round of playoffs to get to the Super Bowl, and another team has to qualify through four rounds of playoffs. Like the path getting there is like is what's important. I don't think you need to prove statistically like that such and such would have happened if the tests were the same. I don't know. And if I was to dumb it down too, I like when everyone has the same test because I just love those cross regional, cross whatever you know, sanctional. Um, comparisons i think those are so fun to see how all the athletes stack up on the same test and from a from a just a viewer standpoint i think it's way more fun to have all of the same test but then hobart i i agree with you part of me agrees with that that they should all be the same test but when they're all different tests then we go to the games with a little more uncertainty which is kind of fun too right there's a little more tension just like and that's the thing with like hopper like we like shit we don't know how he would have done in the west coast classic like it's totally different all different workouts he would have smashed it man (laughs) we don't know how he would have done at the granite games but i will say this if if you look at the mac and you're like and you were to break it down and be like this is a well varied test and here are all the elements and jason hopper crush it there and if you were to say the same thing if you could say the same thing about the west coast classic then you you know you'd have a lot of good evidence to say yeah he'd do he'd still do great there Okay. You mean if Cole Sager and Noah Olson had done the same set of workouts? The guys yeah. who are at the top of the of the West Coast. But I mean you are right, we will eventually find out, right? They'll all get to the games and we'll see what happens. Right. What else yeah. about this article, Brian? Damn, now I'm kicking myself in the face. <laughs> I'm not reading it. Well, the other thing the next question was just about like a natural movement cr- progression during the season. So I used some examples from previous seasons, and we know that in these seasons, Dave would program the Open and the Regionals in the games, and he has, you know, on his wall, he has the progression of movements from every year, and I think that he uses that to evolve movements. Um, in particular, with handstand push-ups, it's easy to track. 2016, handstand push-ups in the Open, strict handstand push-ups at the Regionals, ring handstand push-ups at the games. You can see the clear evolution of difficulty in the movements. With the handstand walking obstacle course that one year, we had a handstand walk, we had an obstacle course, we had a, a much more um, extensive obstacle course at the game. This year, there were wall walks, then there were handstand push-ups in the quarterfinals of a very variety, strict and kipping, and then you get to the semifinals, and one competition has 120 meters of handstand walking, another has 300 feet of handstand walking, another has 40 strict handstand push-ups, another has one, only 100 feet of handstand walking, another has 42 strict deficit handstand push-ups at increasing sets. So now what's the next progression at the games? Mm. One arm handstand push-ups. <laughs> because you could choose deficit strict handstand push-ups. Well, ha- you know, of a, a 5% of the athletes just had to do that test. I'm not saying that that's bad or good. I'm just saying that when you're telling the story of the season, it's a little bit less cohesive. Do you know if there's any plans to keep this up? Have they announced a format for next year yet? No, and I don't think they should. I think they should see this, see this out through the season, and then you know have these conversations and and come up with a plan. Are you part of these conversations? No. You're just a pundit. <laughs> Are you part of these conversations, Hobart? Um, no, I'm not. You have any affiliation to the games team right now besides as an athlete? I do not this year. Yeah, unfortunately, I do not. Just sitting back and watching it unfold. And last year you were a tester. 
I was a tester last year. Yeah, and I worked on the um, uh, the athlete advisory council too, which really wasn't didn't we really didn't discuss programming. It was it was more like logistics stuff than than specifics of programming. Are you still on the athlete advisory council? <clears throat> um, I think they're gonna. Short answer is I don't think so. I think they're gonna cycle out and try and bring in new um, athletes each season or each year. They try and do it. When, when, when I see, um, so is the athlete council, is that the thing, is Fikowski the head of that? No, I think no, that's thinking different. of the, yeah. What is that? What uh, is that, Brian? Can you remind me the name? It's, I think it's called the PFAA. I can't remember like exactly what it stands for. I think it's Professional Fitness Athletes Association or something. That's more like a, um, like a player's union, um, like an NFL player's union. Whereas the athlete advisory council was just, um, it was a group of us, myself, um, Annie Thor's daughter, Neil Maddox, and uh, Meredith Root. And we worked with members of the games team to discuss things like competition parity, logistics about online format versus in-person format, um, structures around like qualifying time. For example, when they do the online formats, like should it be a 24-hour window, 12-hour window, stuff like that. I'm going to keep my opinion to myself on that. That what? and the DEI council, I, I have strong opinions about, and I'll keep them for now. We'll, I will not digress to the pits. I would um, like all the tests to be the same. I would like that a lot. I It's fun to see. The coolest part about CrossFit programming is the opportunity, right? The variance of it is so exciting. But I like when the tests are the same throughout the season. It makes it easier for me to follow. It's more exciting, I think. And that's a valid reason. Yeah, it's not super fancy, but that's just how I feel. And Brian thinks it would be more. Brian, you think you would like that too, right? You think it would be more fair? I, I, just, I, it, I'm, I think I'm with James. It just makes more sense to me. Like you want it, usually in a season, whatever the the sport is, like there's a story, and the story makes more sense that way to me. I, I, I wonder, like, if in golf—I don't know exactly how golf works—but I wonder if in golf or in auto racing, there's um, same ways to get to the championships, but racing on different tracks or golfing at different golf courses. Yeah, there definitely are, and that's and that's what the sanctional season was, and it was—I mean, look—the sport of CrossFit already is something that if you don't really aren't familiar with it, and you turn on the TV to watch it. That it's an, it's not necessarily that easy to follow, and depending on who's doing the broadcast and who's done the programming and the layout of the floor and the space that's available, you know you have to figure out how to make that happen. Because so, otherwise, if you don't have more people watching, then it's going to be hard to grow in the way that a lot of people want it to. So it needs to be quickly digestible as a sport. You have to understand what's happening on the floor, and and then if you say, well, how these athletes get here. And you say, oh, they had to go through three stages of competition. It was the open, the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and these are the best of the best. Do they take the same test all the time? Actually, no. They had a variety of different things. Some went to one continent. Some were online. Some had to do these set of workouts. Some had to do more workouts, actually, to get here than these people. Happens to be like, what? The, what? It's just Yeah, you, you bring up a good point. I followed the sport as close as anyone could follow it for 10 years, and then the one year I turned my head to look <laughs> away, and then I look back, it, you're right, I it's like, and, and the terminology, the vernacular doesn't help. All the vernacular changing also. James, did you just hold in a, a sneeze? Yeah, I was about to sneeze. And so I was like, that's why I was smirking because it was like right on the edge and then it just disappeared. I don't think that's but, healthy, buddy. 
Why? I think that can give because I think that can give you a tumor in your in your <laughs> in that region between your testicles and your anus if you hold in a sneeze. You never that you could get a cramp down there. My grundle. <laughs> yeah, or chode or what? What's that? What's that area called? Chin rest. Taint. I just. Taint. Taint. <laughs> I just don't think you're tough enough. I just think I was like, crush that. God, I never would hold in a sneeze. Sneezes are great. I'm I'm kind of curious about Mike G's question here, where he says that the sanctional events. He says that this qualifying system costs athletes thousands of dollars, which I don't really understand his point. But um, is that the Mike oh, G we know? No, it, it. I don't think it is. I don't know. Okay. He makes a lot of comments on on uh, morning chalk up articles, though. Uh, and he's he, one of the things he says here is how come like he he feels that certain athletes if they did well enough the year before should be able to skip stages of qualification not have to go Tia shouldn't have to go through the open and the quarterfinals every year she should just get a pass to semis have to prove it there and they get used, it. they use they used to do that and why I think that shouldn't be the case I remember they did that once in 2010 because there was um I qualified in 2009 to the games. And then in 2010, they, they did that. So I didn't have to qualify at that sanctionals or sectionals or regionals level. I got to go straight from the games. And um, honestly, I looked at the sectionals and I looked at who competed. And I don't think I would have made it to the games that year. And it was like after that, I was convinced like they should continue to do like a quarterfinals or a semifinals event because of that. Like, I don't think I would have made it. So, I agree. Yeah. I, I think everyone should have to do it. So, but he, so he parlays that question into the fact that athletes are losing out on opportunities to compete in competitions that actually could have substantial paychecks because they have to do the open in February, wait a few weeks, do the quarterfinals, wait another month and a half, do the semifinals. Is that true? Do, is that true what he's saying? Can you think of any competitions that are going on at the same time that would make someone significant amount of money that they'd miss? No, no one schedules their competitions during the game season because no one's going to come to them. So they schedule them in the off season. So he's saying if the off season was longer or this season was shorter, then they would have more opportunities to make money if they wanted to. I think hey, I heard something. I think this is a premature comment because we need to let let the season play out. And I don't just mean the game season. I mean after the games, the Rogue Invitational is going to happen in October. Dubai is making plans to happen in December. Wadapalooza is intending to happen in January. Those are the three most lucrative events from the sanctional season, and they're still going to be a part of the of the calendar year of CrossFit that people have opportunity to make money. I mean, I feel like athletes have a lot of money to make at the games, too, if they do really well. I mean, I think that's where you have, like, the most money to make. A hundred percent. And it's you not know? even just the money from winning the competition. It's the it's the recognition, the accolade of being in the top ten, top five on the podium, whatever, and then the subsequent sponsorship deals that follow. I feel like, you know, when hard work pays off if you catch my drift. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if this stat is true. I've said it several times. Maybe someone can fact check it. But I heard in a in a in a single weekend, the golf ecosystem makes more than the entire NFL makes in a system, in, in a year. The golf ecosystem in a single weekend makes more money than the NFL generates more. The golf ecosystem generates more revenue in a single weekend than the NFL generates in an entire year. And at first you're like, wait a second, wait a second. But then you think of all the golf courses all around the world. And all the people who play, and all the clubs, and all the balls, and all the shirts. So my point is this: people, 
and I don't know, neither of you have said it, but people have always talked about that CrossFit athletes should make more money. It's just the fact that the money is just not in the ecosystem yet. The ecosystem, like, this isn't golf. And, and even golf, only 150 players, I think, are paid to be on the tour. And the other dudes who are on the tour, the other 150 dudes who are on the tour, however many it is, they have to pay their way. And it's fucking expensive. I think it. I think it costs over a hundred thousand dollars if you want to r- cruise around on the tour with the guys and play. I'll I'll, I'll be careful here because I don't want to be rude. Um, I don't. I I get frustrated. I get frustrated with that. Like, should make more money statement. Like, just because you know, like you're putting in forty hours a week or whatever, fifty hours a week that you sh- you know you're entitled to a certain level of pay, regardless of the quality of your your competitive ability. Oh, but you know, that's easy for me to say, right? Cause I was, I was a good athlete. Um, definitely not a great athlete was, I knew I was not going to make my living out of competing. So I went and did other adventures and that was my choice. So I don't know, you know, and it's like, I look at, I don't know, again, I look at like the athletes who are really successful and they, they seem to be doing it very well. And Did I you would make enough like, money as a, as a, as a mayhem empire team member? to sustain life no i mean you, i still won, work i worked you won the games I mean, four times with the mayhem empire right yeah uh, th- uh okay. no twice with them and once with uh, new england okay and did any of those years did you make enough money to where you could buy a home in cookville and chill and raise a kid from competing no no i and i okay. worked seminar staff full time or that okay. i mean you know every weekend yeah okay I don't yeah. want to discredit anybody's effort, but I, I, I don't know. Anyone who thinks that they should make more money always has like, yeah, we all wish that they made more money. But, but so, Seven, your point is a good, your point is a good one and, is that the money is not in the ecosystem right now. But yeah, what the the, you know, the point of asking some of these questions is, well, what can we do to make it the ecosystem more uh, approachable so that more money can right. come into the system? And changing well the said. changing the structure every year is not is probably not the answer. Now we know we have a right, new, we know we have new leadership this year. And I don't, I think that people are jumping the gun and, and, and assuming that they should have a perfect answer in year one. I think we got to give them a couple years. I know people don't want to hear that because the last years have been so frustrating, but you can't expect them to get, to get it perfect. They have to figure out how to work together and whatever. This is very much a trial year. Hopefully they're asking questions like this and more. They'll come back with a new plan in year two. And by year three, I think if it's not smooth and running well, then we can start saying, what, okay, what's going on? And don't, and the ecosystem, even though people think it's just the games, it's much bigger than the games. It involves a, a healthy, healthy, robust affiliate ecosystem and a training ecosystem. For a ton of different reasons. For a ton of different reasons. Yeah, and I still I think, think it's a lot of growing. people forget that. I don't think the games exist without fucking robust affiliates. Yeah. If the, the affiliates are the trunk of the tree, the games are the fruit. You know. Yeah. I think. I think. No, no. At least yeah, for and now. I, and I think it's still growing. You know, and I think like, I will say this: like, my, from my perspective, and obviously I'm biased, right? I've been involved with CrossFit as a company now for ten years, and. I've been doing cross for 14 years, but it's like, I still see it growing. And it's like the games team has iterated in a positive way more than, you know, than a lot of other sports associations out there. I've seen maybe the only one, you know, other than that, that has done it more and more successfully would be something like, um, the UFC, but it's like the games team like self-reflects. And I feel like it's better and better every year, even after like a massive hiccup, you know, in 20, in 2020, right. That was COVID year. (laughs) 
2020. And, and, and I, I totally agree with you. And I think that the games are a, a crazy beautiful event compared to most sporting events. But I yeah. agree with Brian. Like, it can be hard to follow. But but it's it's epic. It's epic. Everything. I, well, I, I don't think the games themselves are that hard to follow. You know, maybe an individual event can be can be a little bit hard on a live stream, but for the most part, at the games, they have the scoring system there. The point system is usually uniform. Everyone, you know, in the more recent years, everyone's taking a majority, if not the entire test, and it it's pretty easy. It's to, updated quickly. It's the season as a whole that's been changing right. so much, and that's where where people are getting lost. Right. I want to talk about travel. Yeah. So building up to us us getting on the air, there was there were all these. Dudes. Can you set the scene for before we saw the news that we saw today? What it looked like for travel for people, sort of the weird, bizarre shit that people were doing. Right. <laughs> well, of, like they were a while to go ago, to I mean, like you had to go to Mexico first and then to the United States. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, this came on my radar a couple, almost two months ago now. The fact that there were going to be certain areas of the world that athletes who had been within, you know, people just in general who've been in that region of the world within two weeks of when they wanted to come to the United States would not be able to come. And that was part of some presidential order from January that hadn't been amended yet. And back a couple of months ago, someone asked me about it and they're like, you know, this is going to be a real thing and no one's talking about it. And I started doing a little digging. By presidential order, you mean from the president of the United States? Yeah. The US. Yeah. A federal order. Okay. I don't know if it necessarily came directly okay. from him, but something a federal rule that prevented people from traveling here from these regions Uh, obviously related to the to covid so um (laughs) sorry i uh i should fast forward to the the funny part that i just thought of the funny part about this rule is that some of these athletes are living in countries that their infection rate per 100,000 people is in the lowest five in the world finland is number one least infected per 100,000 people. Iceland was number three. Denmark was number five. And in order to get to the United States, they were going to have to travel to places like Dubai or Mexico, stay there for two weeks, not quarantine, just stay there. So they weren't in these other regions. And then they could come to the United States. They still have to obviously pass COVID test and whatever else. But the, the funny part is that Dubai or it's UAE, uh, Mexico and the United States are all 50 or worse in terms of infection rates relative to 100,000 people. So they had to go from a relatively so you had safe to go to area. another country and pick up, pick up some COVID, leave a safe area, pick up some COVID and come to the U.S. Well, yeah, I mean, and I, and someone told me that I didn't do, I didn't go and check and see if those numbers were true, but it's not that hard to believe. Whoever told you that's crazy. Okay. So, so, so the, and now, and now what we're hearing as of today is that the athletes have all received exemptions. Is that true? All? It's called a National Interest Exemption Travel Waiver. And it sounds like the athletes, of which I believe there were 20 individuals and something like a dozen teams, which is another, you know, 40-something, 40, 40. 60. Yeah, so 60-something okay. athletes. Plus, uh, and they each get a plus one. So they can bring a coach or a wife or some one extra person with them. And I think that, yes, it sounds like they were all given that exemption to travel to the U.S. But the, uh, for the CrossFit Games, but they still have like a, a process of stuff, steps that they'll have to go through to do it. 
By process, you mean like they might have to be vaccinated or they might have to take a PCR test or they might have to be quarantined for two weeks. There might be some guidelines about how quickly they have to get here and what hoops they have to jump through to actually get on the field. There's a yeah, ton. Those- they have to do a background check. They have to – some might need a visa. What are you reading off of, Hobart? What are you reading off of? This is morning chalk up. Okay. And pass a COVID test, apply by all CDC guidelines – um, and they, their timeline's pretty tight. I mean, what, we're 26 days out? That's why. Is there a quarantine in there? Do they have to quarantine in the States? Um, I don't think there's a I quarantine. I didn't see that, Brian. Did you say that? Yeah. No quarantine, no. but then, then of course, each country has their own rules anyways with regards to visas and, and that process. And there was an example that was on our, our radar last week of the the two brothers from Serbia, Lazar and Luka Jukic, whose embassy was not granting visas until 2023. But today, they, I think today they posted a picture that they had gone to the embassy and gotten their visas. So something happened. Something okay, changed. Sweet. So, so I, I, have, I, have, I have two two points I'd like to bring up about this. One is practical and one's political. The, the practical one is, is, can this still change? Like, is this going to be the thing we're not going to believe that they're actually going to be here until we see them get off the plane? Oh, I hope I hope not. That would be such a bummer. Like, I hope that – I don't know. You'd have to go look up what a, nat- a national interest exception waiver if it has like a – I don't know. What do you call those things? They lapse or have like a – my brain's dead right now. No, I, mean, I know what you mean. No, I'm with James. If that- Expiration date on them or, or, or some sort of like – there's something in fine print at the bottom. This can change on a moment's notice. Yeah, like a limitation on it. Yeah, a caveat. Yeah, but I'm I'm hopeful that that's obviously not the case. I mean, when I the last week or two, when the people I was talking to there were saying like, this is the reality of the situation. This is how much it costs us to have to travel to these countries, stay there, come to the U.S., and it's just uh, an, a burden and interruption to their training. I mean, this is the most important training cycle for them of the year. You have to travel eight hours this way acclimate to that what that weather that time zone whatever then take a 13 hour trip across the ocean three days before the biggest competition of the year that was going to be pretty you know pretty detrimental i would think to their performances but additionally it would just put another tarnish on this season if we didn't have that pool of athletes because these are you know excellent athletes that are top 10 podium contenders in some cases and you just don't have the same caliber of test uh the credential what? if they're not in the field. Why does that tarnish the season though? Like I think that would tarnish the season if this was going to be the last season ever, you know? And it's like, we're going to have another 15 seasons. It was just that that's the way the season rolled out. You know, it's like, I don't know why that's like, I don't know, a great quarterback breaks his wrist. I don't know if that like tarnishes the season or the defending champs, you know, star player is injured. And they don't win. Like I don't know if that tarnishes the the entire season. I just think that's just how the season played out. I mean, all I'm well. Once again, let me say this: What if it was Tia? What if it was like that? I I don't know the details, but what if it was like that College World Series where the whole team got there? They had dudes on the team who wouldn't get vaccinated, and I mean, wouldn't you say that tarnished their World Series? And it definitely would tarnish the game. I mean, no no woman can win this year without Tia being there. I mean, it's already weird enough that Matt's not there, right? So, I don't know. But, but I don't know. You just you just don't know. Like any given day in competition, like granted, if Tia shows up, you know, like is it much less likely that you're going to win if you're competing against her? Yeah, absolutely. But it's like, I don't know. 
I feel Comment. you. I want to agree with you. I'm just struggling with the Tia effect. When I throw her in there, it screws everything up. I can't be just all blasé about it. And she'll, you know, she she will lose eventually or retire, but she hasn't lost in a long time. So. Um, and the other thing is this. So. Don't get me wrong. I'm really. I'll, I'll be really happy if all the athletes go there. It's going to be fucking awesome. I'm more interested in the games than I've been in in four years. Thank you, Brian. Um, and um, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm, I'm going to be glued to my TV the entire time. I'm really excited. But why does a CrossFit athlete get to come to the United States and someone who can't come to the United States whose mom has terminal cancer and can't get that exemption? And when you put it in perspective like that, like – Anytime someone I'm really mad at someone, I'm like, this fucking piece of shit, I want to fucking hit him with a hammer. I think, dude, they didn't do anything to your kids. That's terrible. And then it puts everything in perspective. Like nothing anyone could ever do to me should ever bother me unless it, like you did it to my kids. Mm. What do I care? Like like that like the like the memes guy made that shirt, um, uh blocked by Sevon. That was actually that actually that's a bad example because that was actually kind of cool. That's the first shirt I've, anyone's ever made about me. By the way, I need a CEO shirt. Yeah, well, don't just don't make your own, please. You think that would make me a tool? I have to be. I have to be. No, I have to be nominated. If someone anonymously sends CEO you one, maybe. Shirt. Okay. Um, but uh, do you have an answer to that? No. About, about, about like no. No, it's so, a, so it's, that makes sense. Like we have to think about it relatively. Like as 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 games fans, we're excited that they're coming, but this is just the this is just to get the games, right? And that that law or whatever it is from from January. I mean, it feels like a lot has changed since January. Why is that still there? You mean that that, that we can, you can't travel? Yeah, I feel like you know it, variants variants. Okay, well, I I, I probably don't know enough about it to comment one way or the other, but I'm I'm guessing that there's been more COVID outbreaks in various parts of the world over the last months, and hopefully that they would adjust the regions accordingly. But if there's a place that's right. relatively low COVID uh, exposure, why is that place on the list? Yeah, and and Miko Salo is not dying from COVID. <laughs> you would stand up, help Can fuck COVID up. Have you had how, COVID, how? Um, Hobart? I don't think so. But you haven't been tested for the antibodies, so you wouldn't know. No, I got I got tested a bunch because I was still doing um, – early on, I was still traveling for seminars. Um, and then for a while when, like, a lot of the country shut down, I stopped traveling for seminars. And then when I started traveling again, Massachusetts still had pretty rigid rules about testing. So I got tested a lot. And I never but not tested for an, – But not for antibodies. But not for yeah, antibodies. I did, I did PCR and antibody tests. Oh, okay. But I had a really weird, so I had a negative antibody test, and then I had a positive antibody test, and then I had a negative um, PCR test thereafter, and then I never had any other positive antibody test, so I don't really know. Wait, did you say your second antibody test was positive? Yep. Oh, that's a good sign. Yeah. That's a good so. sign. So you, you've had it. But this is a long... Yeah, maybe. This is a long time ago. This is like at the start of it last in twenty twenty, yeah. Like March twenty twenty. Did, did, did you come out to HQ anytime during um uh 
December 2019 to January, February uh, 2020, in those three months, three months, did you ever come out to Santa Cruz, California? I'll check. I don't know if I was out there in December of 2019, no. Because there was a a time there, a three-month period in there, where pretty much everyone at HQ got sick. It was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. Nope. I was uh, flying in and out of there like crazy. I was in Argentina, Columbus, Ohio, Madison, Boston, Baltimore, Germany, and then California in the end of uh, January. There you go. Of January 2020. Yeah, that might actually been for testing. Was that the testing I filmed? No, that was um, that was a different time. That was the, before the uh, second stage of the or the first stage of the games. Okay. So, so Brian, so event. that the testing for that. Yeah, because I was not as fit as I, I needed to be for that event. Are you talking about like friendly Fran so Brian, so and those you... workouts? Yeah. Oof. That that I did that that Nancy workout with the run burpee overhead squat was so bad. I did I did that workout with scaled weight and it was miserable. Yeah. So Brian, you feel test. confident that, that that all the travel that that we're going to see good games this year with all the athletes showing up? I feel uh, yeah, I feel very very confident based on what I saw today and uh, the couple athletes that I've spoken to. Plus, I mean, Laura Horvath's already here in the United States. She's it looks like she's in CrossFit Krypton. Um, you know, even though it wasn't from a necessarily restricted area, Cara Saunders posted that she bought her plane ticket. So the athletes are making their plans and coming here. Several others who had recently posted that they were going to go to either Dubai or Mexico or Aruba or something like that posted today and said, wow, we were one day or two days away from purchasing this ticket and making this, putting this plan in motion. And now we don't have to. So they're on, like, they're on top of it. I expect, I expect the ones that are like the biggest question mark for me are just the ones that are always the question mark are probably the ones from uh, the furthest away, you know, like, like from Russia or, or South Korea or something like that. But I think that they'll pretty much all be there. Or even Jason Smith, right? Yeah, but in the case of Jason Smith, like he's done it several times before, so I think he's more likely to to know exactly what to do and, and make it happen. During during the um, I, and I, I think it was like this at the games last year. Correct me if I'm wrong, but during the games last year, were they testing the athletes for COVID during? the week so that like you could have done one or two days and test positive and you're out. Like could have Matt tested positive the last day and been out. That would have been devastating. I don't think so. I think that's only in the, in the PGA golf tournaments. Okay. So once the athletes get, once you get there as an athlete, you're good to go. So if we see you compete on day one, the only thing that can stop you from crossing the finish line is yourself or Dave Castro. Well, the reason I say that about last year at the in California is because they once they passed that test, they were in a controlled environment. So they had to stay okay. in the hotel, they had to stay on the bus, they had to eat the food provided for them, and they agreed to be part of that bubble scenario after after passing the test. I don't think that's going to be the case in Wisconsin, you know. So, but I, and therefore, I don't know if they'll retest them every day or not. Um, I haven't heard anything. Have you been told about being in a bubble, James? Have Brian, the masters been told? Brian just kind of said Wisconsin with an accent. <laughs> Are you from there? I'm from Chicago. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, you're like Wisconsin. 
You kind of had like a thing going on there. Sorry, what did yeah. you say? Have you been told about any bubble? Like, do you have any restrictions for yourself? No, no bubble. We just um, they have you get uh, COVID tested unless you have a vaccine. And so <clears throat> every day. Oh, so if you have a vaccine. No, no, no. I just think uh, upon registration, I think was the uh, the details of that email. That one was kind of preliminary. They haven't like they gave us like our times and we're supposed to show up for the age group athletes. And then, um, yeah, that's what they said. You have to have a vaccination proof of or you get COVID tested there. And how did and how do you prove that you have vaccination? You, sh- you show your vaccination card? Yeah, probably. They didn't. I don't. I don't know. I didn't. I don't know if they specified. They probably specified that in the email. I didn't read that too closely. You still have twenty six days. So to learn how <laughs> couple, to read, couple less, I'll couple less for the masters. They start early. Yeah, that's true. Tuesday. You know, I'm so excited for that. I'm. I'm really happy that they made that change. Do we want to talk about who's going to win the masters? Are, are you masters expert, uh, Brian? Brian Friend. I know I know a decent amount about the Masters fields, but I haven't um, looked at the fields for this season yet too closely. I've been I finished the men that, that have qualified so far, and the women. I'm working through the teams, and then I'll get to the Masters. But I can I probably know him well enough to give some insight. Well, last time he that. like he mentioned a bunch of names, and he said I think James will do pretty well. <laughs> well, you're asking about that, yeah, yeah, just just his division. I mean, if I. If you ask me to pick a winner of the men's 35 to 39 division, I think I have a – yeah, I think I could give you a name. Yeah, let's do it. How do, how do I – before you do that, I want to get to um, sort by – how do I see that list? I'm on – oh, I go to the games. Leaderboard. And, and I hit leaderboard. And division. Competition. Division. Okay. So men – 35 to 39 and it looks like there's 10 guys no no are you sure are you on year 2021 yeah it starts with Jan Hanuk yeah there's more than 10 it's like 20 well there should be 20 eventually I don't know if everyone's registered yet it looks like 19 of the 20 have registered and I know that they've at least backfilled one because that guy that uh, trains with Hopper um, is James Hall he's right there the, the second one from the top which ones will Hobart beat? Most of them. He will. He'll beat. Will he beat Dan Bailey? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to text <laughs> Dan and tell him. Will he beat Zach Forrest? Yeah. Yeah, I'll beat Zach. Will he beat Jan Hanuk? Yeah. Will he beat James Howell? Yeah. Will he beat? Cizano Coriga. Okay, he's going to beat everyone except for Adrian Conway. You think Conway's going to win? If I was picking today, I would pick him, then you, then Nick Block. There's no way James is beating Kyle Casper Bauer. Fuck that. I'm going to go start training. I'll talk to you guys later. That's like a bowling pin beating a bowling ball. There is no (laughs) way. There is... There is how how is Kyle Casper about who won last year? That was devastating. No one to competed. Say. <laughs> who won the year before? Uh, I think Cat. No, he was he withdrew the year before. He was uh, there were ten yeah. people in the field. He's listed last because he withdrew. He won the year before that. So he's clearly a coward. 
He's the, he, this is his last year of eligibility in this division. It's really rare for someone to win in the last year of eligibility in their division. I know, but he's not human. Have you, have you stood next to him? I saw him in Minnesota. Yeah. I'll have to help him out of his seat. Probably 39. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dude, you've got to You've got to do that. Now you've got to get your Instagram rolling and do an Instagram clip of that. We're like, Kyle, you need help up. Kyle is. Or you hand him a cane. Bring a cane with you, James, and hand him a cane. I'm going to (laughs) just. I'm going to share my Metamucil with him. Kyle, do you want me to beat you? What's my better chances of winning? (laughs) Beating you with this cane or handing it to you? Oh, man. Okay, so you have Hobart as second. Yep. Wow. That's cool. There's some international. There are some. There are some international guys there that I don't know a ton about, but um, I expect that the uh, like the american guys that you know well that have been done well at the games before will will be just fine meaning meaning well, like and um, you know, i'd be shocked if uh if they weren't if, you know in the top seven at least bailey and, and hobart and conway um what about um uh the women and this actually recognize some of these names yeah i mean that's a, the cool thing about this division is that a lot of these girls, you know, not a lot of them, but 20% or so compete, have competed multiple times as, as individual athletes. Um, but there's not, I wouldn't say there's as wow. recognizable names as are on the men's side. A uh, Lauren Gravat, that's uh, Jordan's sister, huh? Jordan Gravat's sister? I'm not sure. Uh, he was, he was a filmmaker at CrossFit HQ and. His wife was an extraordinary member of the affiliate team, maybe one of the best, if not the best. Paula. Part part of the reason why this list isn't doesn't have some of the star studded names is because Alessandro Pacelli, Kristen Holt, and Sam Briggs are all competing in the, in the elite open division still. And actually Alethe and Alethea Boone also is still in the last chance qualifier. Do you know if she's doing it? Uh <laughs> we have to check and see if she's registered. I think she is registered. I see Kelly. I see Kelly Jackson. That's a name I recognize. Yep. Um, I see Chelsea Hughes. She's the. Uh, was she the firefighter? Is that she was California girl? Yeah, she competed at the um, at the West Coast Classic. Also, she was in the you know the bottom heat. Yeah, Alethea Boone is registered for the semifinals. Yes. Uh, but but Chelsea Hughes was competing there, and I mean she was she was not in a, the league to qualify for the for the elite women this year but she did i mean she looked really fit and was moving pretty well so i could see her in a top five position uh, it- would sam have done this sorry hobart would sam have done this if she didn't um qualify if they hadn't fixed the leaderboard yeah i think so fixed or adjusted which word should i use fixed or adjusted adjusted Brian, do you want to weigh in? Is it fixed or adjusted the leaderboard? I, I would say adjusted. I mean, I would not have had any problem with the leaderboard being exactly as it is now if that's the original leaderboard that they released. Since it's not, you do have a problem. Even if they'd have released who, who, who? it and said, this is a preliminary leaderboard, we're still doing video review, then I wouldn't care. But when you release it and say, this is the leaderboard and these are the people that made the games, then the ruling is over. Now you've made a bulletproof argument. <laughs> um, so who's going to win this out of the women? 
<laughs> no, better, better question. Better question. Do any of these women or men in the last chance qualifier make it into the top 10? And if not, what's the purpose of a last chance qualifier? I think so. I don't understand the question. I, think so. I resent you asking a better question than mine. I think Seven I was like asking me about longer. the. I think Seven was asking about the women's masters division, and you were asking about the last chance qualifier. I know. I just all right. I go. You go. Go masters first. Who do I think is going to win the masters? Thirty-five to thirty-nine women. Man, there's a there are a lot of girls here I don't know. I'm probably going to have to pick someone that I do know. If Alethea Boone competes here, I think she's got a good chance. I think Whitney Galen will do pretty well. Um, it's her first year of, available to compete in this division. And there's an interesting st- uh, story here. There's this woman, April Payne. She's, I think she qualified 11th this year. She was 11th the last two years also. And those are the only two years they didn't take 20 to the game. So she missed by one spot in two, in the first two years of her master's eligibility in the only two years that it wouldn't have qualified otherwise. And so she gets to compete this year, which is good. When you say they only took 10, are you talking about for the Masters division? Yeah, because it used to be 20, and they changed it to 10. And then she she was 11th. The f- one year there was 10. The next year she also was one spot out, but they didn't have the Masters division, so it didn't matter. This year she was 11th for the third year in a row. It's just kind of a weird story. God, Brian, you know stuff. I'm looking at image. I'm looking up images of her. I can find her. She competes at... Um, she competed at the at the Granite Games. Like she still competes with the with the elite open women too. She competes in sanctionals and stuff like that. She usually doesn't do too badly either. She's in the top half of fields. So what is the distinguishing character, physical traits between a masters and an open athlete? What is it that makes it that Hobart can't? Is it is it that Hobart got old or that the new generation <coughs> is so good? Both. Yeah, definitely both. And there are two men in the Masters division, Saz Solodov and Jason Smith, who've both qualified. So it's doable, but they qualified through the weakest regions. You know, there's, there's not as many men that are at the top of the sport in Africa and Asia. And that's how they got in. And that's okay. I think it would be, I think that they would have a, personally would have a more enjoyable competition in the Masters division. Those guys where they're going to be in the fighting for the top five, fighting against a lot of guys that are similar to them, where I think they're going to be in the bottom 10 in the open division. I don't know what you mean by more fun. I think they'd have more fun in the open competition, even if they did like ass. I'm, well, you, you're probably right, I'm I guess, because the f- they're doing that. Um, Hobart, do you want to ask your question again before I move to 40 to 45? Is there money for Masters? Yeah. New question. There is. How much? It's variable by division. The thirty-five to thirty-nine has six thousand dollars. No, the thirty-five to thirty-nine has significantly more than any other division, and then there's like a, and then it it tears down from there where the sixty-five plus has the least. Is that? As I remember, it was like something like they share six thousand dollars for a bunch of the divisions. First place gets three thousand, two thousand, one thousand. Totally different. That's cool. Win this thirty-five to thirty-nine, you get fifteen grand. Oh, that's nice. James, go go get training. <laughs> I could buy I could buy that jacket and that hat that Savon was wearing last week. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I love that they're giving uh, money out to the Masters. That's really. Are they giving Are they giving payouts all the way down for the open uh, individual elite athletes? I think it's one through twenty. Wow, that, that stayed the, that, that stayed the same for a while. Yeah, one through twenty. 
But it's oh, increased. shit. And you know what? I think 20th place gets more money than if you win Masters. I think 20th place gets like $8,000. Is that right? You might be right about that. Yeah. I think that's like the minimum, if you do make it into the money, has gone up a little bit. What do you think about that? That the worst dude in the in the the worst dude in the payouts of the open division gets less money than the winner of the Masters. I'm fine with I'm fine with that because that person probably put in way more time. I think that's mm. fine. Top twenty in the world is is fucking legit. It's very like, yeah, you it's are very really, good. Yeah. When you yeah. start looking at like I have a just a preliminary power rankings for each division, and when I start looking at the guys in that range, it's like. They're still serious, serious good athletes, guys that can win semifinals. Yeah. When you say power ranking based on some criteria that you've made up, Brian? <clears throat> yeah, I haven't um, spent a lot of time with it. So it was just a preliminary. Like when I first saw the list, I just kind of put them in this order. Uh, and I haven't given it much, much thought since, but I will in the next week or so. Is it mathematical? No. It, this is a, At this point, it's just kind of gut when, when i look at the men 40 to 45 I, I only recognize two names a lot of i mean and, and in a lot of these divisions there are guys or girls that are pretty dominant um you're looking at 40 guido to 44 trinidad and, and nu, if, uh, yeah guido trinidad and nuno costa so uh alexander jolivet from france is pretty good uh yeah guido trinidad should do very well i think he's just entered this division yeah he's 40 so he'd be very good. And Tony Kurtz, he's 42. He's probably, he would probably be my pick to win. Those three guys would be the, that'd be my podium picks for this division. He's a unit, 70, 70 inches, five foot 10, 209 pounds. Damn. <laughs> wow. I have to, let me, let me see, uh, what's his games profile? Uh, maybe this is, well, he was eighth in 2019. Maybe he's not a good pick. It's, maybe I'm thinking of someone else. It's, it says he has a 265-pound snatch. Imagine being 42 years old. Like, I have friends. I have friends who don't do CrossFit, and I've just turned 35. I have friends who are like, I'm like, do you want to work out? And they're like, oh, no, man, I can't work out anymore. I got this going on and this going on. It's like 35, you're, half, you're halfway maybe under, just under halfway through the game. And if you're already tapping out, this dude's 209 pounds, and he's – 42 and he's snatching 265 imagine you show up to take some girl to prom and her dad is in the garage just repping 265 pound snatches you i would your head pops I have her home puke. by noon have her home by midnight you're like yes sir. I, would, <laughs> fuck that. I would leave her i would leave her at the door i'd be like all right see ya um I, i'm looking at the women 40 to 44 and i only i only recognize two names also i recognize stephanie roy okay stephanie yeah stephanie was making her comeback this year she had some injuries and some setbacks but she's i think she's very healthy i know she's already in the u.s and i think she's a legitimate podium threat if not threat to win here but what how did you pronounce her name she snatches 175 (laughs) savon can't snatch that that's insane You don't know that. You don't know that. <laughs> Go to the take your camera to the garage right now. Load it up. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't. I got six hundred. I was deadlifting in there today. I got six hundred on. I know. Way. I know. Max effort day. I've never snatched one seventy five. <laughs> um, never, ever, ever. Hey, um, it, what, what? How did you say her name, Brian? Why do you got to say it all? It's why can't it be Stephanie Roy? 
Same way that the hockey player that used to, the goalie for the Rockies used to be Patrick Waugh. They're from Eastern wow. Canada. But there's no W in there. It's French. Um, and then Rebecca Voigt. Yeah, she should do great. And uh, Kelly Friel should do great also. Those are probably my three podium picks in this division. Should I know who Kelly Friel is? Oh, when I click on her picture, I think I recognize. Her. She's pretty good. She's uh, oh, she's she her. qualified in, into the court, uh, into the semifinals for the European Women at 43 years old. I think she was qualified in, through the quarterfinals in like seventh place overall. Okay, where's the where's the men 45 to 49? The last time I was in London for think- strength and depth, they were they had a masters division, and she just I think she won like every workout. She just crushed everyone. Well, shit, we're not even going to talk about um, men 45 to 49 because I don't recognize a single name. Okay, well, if anyone cares, uh, Jason Grubb is probably pretty good. Um, I don't recognize a ton of the names in here either. There's a lot of new guys, but I, I mean, I, I think Jason Grubb's probably the standout here. Let's see if he has any. Look at this. Annie Sakamoto is competing. And he's just he's just moved up into this division, and he won the men's 40-44 to 44 the last time he competed in it two years ago. So Grubb's probably a good pick. This division, the women 45-49, to 49, is a very – I actually wrote an article about this division. So Karen, you have Karen McAdam, Janet Black, and Annie Sakamoto. Um, and the three of them have competed against each other like a ton of times at the games and have had really close battles back and forth a bunch of times. I think that more often than not – Janet Black gets the better of the other two, but yeah, they're they're the like standouts here, and they've been good, relevant Masters athletes for years. Okay, there's a woman in this division, and if you see her, you need to have a talk with her. Allison. <laughs> she has four continents consonants in a row. S T R N. That's what you want me to talk what to is her, her name about. An acronym. Allison Strnod. Say her name for me. I can't. That's not a word. I mean, it should probably be strand. Maybe it's a miss. It's a it's a typo. Oh, gotcha. It's a typo. Okay, and then let's look at uh, Filaretti. Xanthodoxin. Greek, yeah. Give her a pass. Greek women are cool. Holy crap. You saw her name? No, I'm, I'm, you guys are like far behind. I'm over in this age 62 women's and I'm just checking out, I'm, I'm checking out Susan Clark with a, who literally has more abs than I've ever had. And she deadlifts 285 at, at the, okay, at the hold on, young hold age on. of 62. And that's what we need to be talking about. Susan, okay, we'll Susan get there. Clark. Uh, look, no, 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 at... we should talk about her because and she's, stats, okay, but I want Gosh, I know no, how to pick God damn it, Hobart. I'm the host. Where are we, women? 60 <laughs> Sorry. to 64? Susan Clark is undefeated at the games. She's four for four <laughs> in the year she's competed. And the last year she competed, she won every single event. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. I'm looking at her stats. Yeah, Susan Clark, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you're probably working out right now. Um, I'm a fan. We wrote it. We, um, God. I had a... Uh, uh, Wait a second. She's won the games every year she's gone. Four for four. Yeah, four, four, four. She doesn't compete every year, but every year she's gone, she's won. I think that I I think that that's the only person for whom that's true. That's like one more than, you know, multiple. Times. By the way, when I was thirty four, I had those numbers. I don't know if I ever back squatted two twenty. 
I must have. Oh, how, yeah, yeah. I think how, I back squatted 265 once. How amazing is that? Yeah, that's crazy. That is insane. There's some incredible, like, a, and how much does she weigh? Is that a, that's a double body weight deadlift, right? Over. That's, yeah. She yeah, weighs 123 crazy. pounds. <laughs> and we're the same height. And I weigh 155. My my mom once, and who, my mom who's never competed at the games, but she's she's fit, and she'd probably get mad at me. She's really fit um, for someone who's in her 60s. She's fit for someone who would be in their 50s. Um, but she once asked me, she's like, "What? Is, how would I stack up to other people my age, like the average person my age? And I was trying to find like fitness standards online for people in their late 50s and 60s, and it was like, do a sit up. It was do one push up. It was like walk. It was like do, I don't know, like a certain amount of steps on a four inch or six inch step in two minutes. And like, I want to stack Susan Clark on a map against the average 62 year old and just see where she would fall. What's crazy is you could literally go into a Starbucks where there's 30 people and put them all on one team and figure out like some competition that she could do against them and they could rotate people in and out all they want. And she would crush them all. Crush them. She would win. The, yeah. She would win the competition. It, it, it's, it's absurd. I would bet if you took him, I would bet the, the fittest 62 year old Susan Clark compared to the cohort of average six year olds. I bet the gap between their fitness and hers is greater than someone in Matt Fraser's age range. So like Matt is, compared to his age range, at yeah. average fitness. I bet Susan Clark that gap is bigger for the sixties than it would be for Matt in his age range. Oh, of course. Oh, you think you're saying because he's so fit? Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. That that that's an interesting. That's an interesting. At first, I was like, no, duh. But you're saying because Matt is so fit, he he creates a larger gap. I'm saying she creates a larger gap. Well, but yeah, both of them do. Yeah, that's Huge. interesting. Yeah. It, it, it would scare most 62-year-olds to see her workout. Like, I'm not even joking. It would scare them. It scares me. They would say, I mean, they would think that she was going to break. Yeah. Do you, have you seen her in person, uh, uh, Brian or, or James? No, but I can't. I'm going to go out of my way to meet her this year. Like, hell yeah, four-time champ. Like, fuck yeah. It's great. Yeah, I, I intend to Does do the same. Does she speak English? Does she speak English? We have her on the podcast. I mean, I'm sure she speaks English. Yeah, we've had dude. She's from Canada. I don't think you can just say that. Okay, she's from West Vancouver. Oh, so she smokes weed and speaks English. <laughs> <laughs> she probably. I mean, if we're making sweeping generalizations, I would say yes. I've ri I've written about her before, and um, on one of the authors at Morning Chalk wrote about her already this year. I mean, if you if you're really paying attention, you could you you will have known who she is by now, um, and you should. It's really incredible what she's doing. So you've spoken to her? No. You wrote about her, but didn't call her. Yes. She get a job at the New York Times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How? Why would you write an article about her but not call her? That doesn't make any sense to me. I was the article was like featuring a few masters athletes who have had incredible careers. It was just basically putting a, into a digestible form the things that they have accomplished. I think it was uh, Will Powell, um, 
There's like maybe one other woman and then Susan Clark were like these three that stood out because their careers were so incredible. <clears throat> we'll get to the other. It's uh, I can't remember. I'm drawing a blank on her name, but she's made every single games. As a and master. have and and have you um? Did you call any of the other ones? No. And did you use the excuse not to call them as you didn't want to bother them? Because I know that's one of your favorite ones. <laughs> I just didn't think it was necessary for the article. Lynn Knappman, Knappman is the other woman I was that I featured in that. She's made every single game since Masters have been a thing. Do the dudes have anyone equivalent to Susan Clark? Well, they had Sean Ramirez. He won four straight years in a row and then got popped for drugs in year number five. They have David Hippensteel, who won three years as a Masters 60-plus 60, 60 athlete, I think. They've had Ron Ortiz, who's had a bunch of injuries, but when he comes back, he usually wins. Will Powell's won multiple games in multiple different age divisions. And there are a couple others as well, but four for four? No, I don't think there's anyone. Yeah, David Hippensteel. That name rings a bell. I've met his daughter. Was she a games athlete? I feel like I've seen his daughter around a bunch. And I see, oh, he's the dude with long hair. Yeah, yeah, I would recognize him. Yeah, he has he's three got first. a, uh, he's only got one first place win. Now right? he has oh, no, two. Three. I see uh, 2018 and 2013. Okay, I think that there, I thought there were three, but maybe there were two. I wonder if he was hurt in 2020. There he was no, the there was no competition in 2020. So that nineteenth is is open. Um, it's listed him as nineteenth at the games in twenty twenty. It says overall rank worldwide. Oh, and then it says under open. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. Oh shit! I was looking in the wrong place. Okay, so he does have three first place wins. Oh, two thousand sixteen, two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen. You guys are right. You're right. I wonder how old he is now. So this year he's going to be in the. He might have aged up to sixty-five plus. Yeah. He'll be the young guy. If he if he is, he's definitely winning it. He's still incredible. All right. And then, do we want to look at women sixty-five and plus? I wonder if there are any I know. Um. Lydia Beer has competed m multiple times. Pia Gund has competed multiple times at the games. She's probably and uh, and Mary Schwing, but Mary Schwing is going to be pretty old. Yeah, she's sixty nine, so she's going to be the first athlete who's making a real case for a seventy plus division. Let's check Lydia Beer. I think she's she's been finished. Dude, these yeah. are great names: Rhonda Desert, <laughs> Pia Gund, Betty Harden, Linda Beer. These are great names. And dude, it's so. I think it's so cool to watch them, watch them work out and, and compete. And you, you really couldn't do it if you were watching the individual competition in the last couple of years and you can do it this year because they're on different days. Every single person in the woman 65 and plus is, um, American except for one who's from Sweden. Yeah. That's say that again, Brian. You think it's pretty cool that you can watch them what? Yeah, you, they have separate days to compete this year, so you can watch them early in the week, and you can see. I mean, it's it's really impressive. The teenagers, the masters, and the masters are impressive for different reasons. You know, the the physical feats that they're still able to perform at thirty eight, forty three, forty eight, fifty two, and then just the fact 
then it, then it kind of changes. Not, not that they can lift an incredible amount of weight for their age necessarily, but the skills that some of these athletes have at 57, 62, David Hippensteel 65, I'm pretty sure he can bang out eight to 10 ring muscle ups unbroken. It's crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. That is nuts. It's fun looking. You got me addicted to looking at their deadlift, their deadlifts. Like this lady's uh, 65 plus and she's got a 250 pound deadlift. So think about that. I don't know. That just gives me hope, man. I just, it gives me hope to get older and, um, makes me way less scared of it. Dude, this lady, Sylvan, Sylvania Volp, she's 5'2, 117 pounds, and she has a 250 pound deadlift. (laughs) I don't know how you can't look at that and just be like shocked. 117 pounds. You know, I don't think you can give blood if you weigh 117 pounds. I think you have to weigh like 120 pounds. No, because you're too busy deadlifting 250 for reps because she's an animal. Yeah, it's nuts. Wow, I can't believe we dug into the Masters. Sorry. Really slumped. I, really I sidetracked this whole thing. But if people are out there listening and they're not impressed by that, then they're just, they need to check their pulse because you're dead on the inside. Will we see pegboard at the games this year? It's coming um, back. You think so? Yeah, it's a great time for it to come back. Pegboard's so fun. Have you ever seen the pegboard? I've only seen it on Instagram where you don't actually put the wood into the holes. You slide it up pathways like a maze. I've never seen that. And you have two sticks, and you're like just sliding that. So you slide it up and then put it in a ledge, and then slide it up and put it in a ledge. Basically, this, I don't think the sticks can fall out. At least it looks like they can't fall out. You know what I'm talking about? And it usually looks like it's a. Have you ever seen those? Yeah. Well, no. It makes sense. I haven't. It makes sense to me what you're talking about, though. I've seen them. Never used them. I think this show has reached its end. Is there anything you want to? Um, you guys want to talk about? We still didn't get to my question, but we didn't have a right time to enter it, so I'm just going to hold on to it for now. No, no, do it. What is it? No, it's not the right time to do it. I like what you, I like how this one went. This was nice. <laughs> See that? He's Ryan, why'd you shave? What? Why did you shave? And I was uh, walking into the bathroom the other day to take a shower. I looked in the mirror and I said, I feel like shaving and I finally have time to shave. So I did. So, yeah, that makes sense. And Hobart, why did you shave? Because <laughs> um, I grow terrible facial hair, so like when it grows just a little bit, it looks even worse. So I try and stay as clean cut as possible. Maybe you don't have terrible facial hair. Maybe you have expectations on the way it should look, and that's why you think it looks terrible. Yeah, that's 100% right. Should I just wing it? Should I give it a shot? So see you at the games and just see what I can do? <laughs> yeah, do nine weeks. Give it nine weeks. See what happens in nine weeks of hair growth. Do you have gray hair? Nine gray hair yet? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely do. Is your beard gray? No, nope, no, but it's like I have red hair in my beard, which is really weird. <laughs> that makes sense. Are your pubes red? No. Is your armpit hair red? Dark as the night. Um, no. <laughs> Thank you. 